This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And always a busy show to bring you on a Monday. We've got plenty of action from the weekend. Men's basketball, Jim Light Hall and the Bulls pulling through. Yes, Jim was a little hoarse from... Well, the Warren I-4, but just like the Bulls, he grinded it out on Saturday night at the Yangling Center. You'll hear some highlights here shortly. Second segment, you'll hear some highlights from softball over the weekend as we brought you that action. And we'll tell you about baseball, which looked like it was headed for a series victory, perhaps against FAU, but ended up just winning one. It was a solid win on Friday night, but in a couple of more high-scoring games, the Owls took the series. The Bulls are playing next Wednesday at Florida State. Bulls were... 500 for a minute, but fell to 3-5. and five. Of course, we'll bring you plenty of baseball this season. We were not on the air this weekend, as for personal reasons, I stayed back home. Definitely followed along. In fact, followed along closely with women's tennis on Sunday. We're going to start off with tennis before we get into the men's basketball game. And then our second block, we'll do track and field and how it did at the indoor AAC championships, along with baseball and softball. But what a win for the women's tennis team. And men's tennis, by the way, was probably close behind as far as most impressive and important weekend. You could argue that they were 50-50. So we'll just start off with both clubs and congratulate them both for winning over the weekend. Let's start off with the women. They had beaten Stetson on the road Thursday to get to 3-4 and four in the season. This was a Northwestern team that, yes, came to town 4-4, four and four, but you dig deeper into its record, you realize, first of all, it was in the ITA kickoff event. That means one of the better teams in the country. Last year made the NCAA tournament. And actually, they won a match at that event, taking down Washington State, a top 75 team. The ITA ranks the top 75, and it cuts off there. Well, Northwestern is in those rankings at 63. Their four losses were to all teams inside the top 50, the worst being 41, South Carolina, and two of those losses being to top 20 teams. And with playing 7th-ranked Texas A&M today in Orlando, I would imagine Northwestern would have thought the Sunday match was going to just kind of be a warm-up. And, you know, honestly, it was headed in that direction. They were getting challenged by the Bulls, but they were ahead 3 to nothing, winning the doubles point pretty easily, actually. 6-3 and 6-2 were the results, and taking the first two points at singles. However, they were definitely pushed as Northwestern won the number three singles match. Christina Hand defeats Laura Pellisse, but it was a 10-8 second set tiebreaker. So that showed you that the Bulls were in it, but the fact that they lost that tough second set didn't really bode well for a victory in the match. And then at number four singles, Ireland Simi, the freshman from Austin, Texas, forced a third set but lost. So again, the Bulls were down 3 nothing. But guess what? Everything was headed to a third set against a ranked team the Bulls took every match to a third set but one, and that was a 10-8 second set tiebreaker. They had to win all four, and they did. Just astonishing. Sierra Berry, the sensational sophomore playing at the number one spot, secured the first point for the Bulls. She had lost her first, won the second two sets, 6-3, 6-3. The next was a tight one, and they were all tight, by the way, as Cleona Walsh, the freshman from Ireland, lost her first set, won the second 6-3, and prevailed 7-5 in the third set. Two more comebacks needed to happen, and guess what? They both went to tiebreakers. This was unbelievable. 
in Tampa on a Sunday afternoon. Marta Falsetto-Font, she's a transfer from Mississippi State, who had lost her first set in a tiebreaker, won the second 6-2, destroys her opponent 7-1 in the tiebreaker, and then all eyes, as they say, turn to court two, where Aussie, great Schumacher, again, lost her first set, rolled in the second, here comes a tiebreaker, she had been down 6-5, and she wins it as close as it can be, 8-6. What a win, type of win that might propel the Bulls soon into those top 75 rankings we were talking about. Falsetto Font, the, again, transfer from Mississippi State, had a a career above 500 record for the Bulldogs, even though her singles career record only included two SEC victories. She was 30 and 23, quality doubles player as well. And then the rest are returning Bulls and or freshmen, so... Quite a group that Coach Moros has put together. And you have two chances to see them again this weekend. They will be going up against Louisiana Tech. That'll be Friday at noon. Then they'll host Toledo on Sunday at noon. Before we get to some men's basketball highlights, yeah, men's tennis. We told you about their previous match on Friday's show. Going to VCU and losing VCU, a team in the top 30, which, by the way, would turn around and go this weekend to 54th ranked Virginia Tech and sweep them so no shame in any of these defeats for the men's tennis team but at the same time the record was not looking good and their prospects going into the weekend were a little bit shaky because Penn State was 10 and 1 but had lost on Friday to Liberty the team that the Bulls would have to play Sunday after Penn State so these were two tough matches and USF gets them both destroying Penn State, really, on Saturday, 6-1. to one. Bulls entered because of their schedule, ranked 64th. Penn State was 46. It was really a romp in the two doubles courts. The Bulls won. Davide Tortora and Bruno Oliveira win 6-2. And then Eric Velius and Alvin Todorica, 6-1. So it came down to singles. Bulls merely needed to split them. And two matches after a close first set were steamrolled by the Bulls in the end. Talking about Tom Pisani and Alvin Todorica. Both winning 6-4, 6-1. That's after the lone victory for Penn State at the number four spot. So two straight set wins. Bulls needed to just grab one of the last three, but they were all sort of going deep, you could see. And that's why it was kind of important for Thomas Pavlikovich-Smith, the freshman from Australia, to win his second set tiebreaker, and he did. They let the other two matches play out, and the Bulls took both of them. Tortora in three sets and Gravelius in a tiebreaker so the Bulls grabbed that win which if you had looked at the records in the rankings was going to be the tougher opponent but oh no Liberty which is where they played Penn State and Lynchburg Virginia turned out to be a more difficult challenge in fact the Flames shot out to a easy doubles victory so the Bulls had just gotten this big win and here they find themselves down after dropping the first and third doubles courts 6-2 so they had to win four out of the six singles matches and three of the six went to a third set. But the Bulls, as it turned out, just needed to grab one of those because they won three straight setters at number one, three, and five. Tortora playing the one spot, six, four, seven, five. Tudorica at number three singles, one, four, and four. And at the five spot, Oliveira won six, three, six, four. So you had three matches that went to a third set, and Gravelius got the big win. He had lost his first set six to one but then turned it around 6-3, 6-4. They let the other match play out, and it went to a tiebreaker where Pisani dropped that, but the Bulls had already wrapped up the result. So they come home with a 6-8 and eight record, and they will go back on the road next week. They will be playing at 7th-ranked Texas A&M. 7th-ranked for now, the Aggies just lost to 
Texas to fall to two and four on the season. Now they played a brutal schedule, so their overall record's not going to look great. But that'll be a tough next match for the Bulls. After that, the rest of their matches will be at home. Yes, men's tennis definitely has the quirkiest schedule of any of the Bulls teams this past season anyway. They will have four of their first 15 be at home only, and then the last eight at home. And really, if you look at it, they might have to go 7-1 and one in those eight to be an at-large candidate for the NCAA tournament just because too many of their matches were defeats. But who knows? We are a ways away from that. The men's basketball team still in the running to finish in seventh place. We'll get into that in our second segment. We'll also tell you kind of what went down elsewhere in the conference as far as how it impacts the women's basketball bracket. The women's team was not in action this weekend. They'll be in Cincinnati along with yours truly on Wednesday night. But before we get to the conference outlook, let's just give you the highlights. And not as many because, well, actually it kind of worked out. Jim Lighthall's voice was still shot from the UCF game. And it was worse in the first half than it was in the second half. Well, the Bulls were right in line with that because they were a lot worse in the first half than they were in the second half. They were down 38-26 at halftime to SMU. Now, we told you the Mustangs were playing a lot better of late. And, well, it showed it was 23-9 Mustangs with eight minutes to go in the first half. The Bulls have had a couple games like this. This year, in fact, as Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston kind of remarked, they were looking like the team that started off 0-5. Just not much life to them. They were 3 for their first 15, and that took us up to that point where they were down 23-9. But lo and behold, they would hit seven of their next eight shots to end the first half with a flourish and trail at just 38-26. Not included in making the shots in the first half was one Tyler Harris. Three points he would end up with 30. And Jim was right to take note of this early second-half moment as one that could foretell the ending, and fortunately he was right. To Tyler Harris, back to Selton. Thought about the three, didn't take it. Find Tyler Harris, he got free in the corner, launches a triple, that's good, Tyler Harris. What a great screen on the baseline to get free and a big one to cut the lead back to seven. Remember that one, partner, because that might get this building going a little yep, bit and get this already, team going. It already has some people starting to stand up isn't it cool to have a guy like that when he hits that one shot you start to get a little bit more excited and hopeful even though the team was not having many reasons for hope well Harris would score quickly after that to cut the lead to five just like that Jameer Chaplin also hit a three earlier in the half he was a very important part of this game 50 to 43 nearing the midway part of the second half and here comes Tyler Harris Draining them from, well, Tyler Harris distance. Jab step, fires a three, rattled it in. Tyler Harris over Jalen Smith, and there was not a lot of room there. Four-point game. Four-point game, 50-46, to 46, and Tyler Harris has scored eight points in the last two minutes. Right side pass to Tyler Harris. Oh, he shoots on the move. Three ball. Oh, my goodness, Tyler Harris. How his body wasn't even turned to the basket. One-point game, 50-49, to 49, and... Tyler Harris has provided the energy to this crowd, and there's noise and energy in this building right now. And so 23-9, a thing of the past. It was a one-point game with 10 minutes still to go. You figured the Bulls would, you know, end up winning this thing by maybe 10 themselves. Did not work out that way. The next possession would end in Harris splitting a couple of free throws, and then the next three would feature turnovers around a Harris miss, and all of a sudden it's a six-point game. Bulls miss their next three shots, all three-point attempts by different players, so it kind of was bogging down there until 
it turned back around. Here are some highlights to get us towards the end, which we'll, we'll get there in a minute. That was interesting enough. Natal on the perimeter. He's going to launch a three. That's off the front rim. No good. And Russell Chiwa gets the rebound. Tyler Harris got plenty of energy. Here he comes to the free throw line all the way to the paint. Up and under. Layup is good. 14 straight points from Tyler Harris. It's a four-point game. 6.21 left. Chiwa was there. They didn't give it to him. Sorrell to the baseline. Back out to Russ, right at the elbow. Ball fake, goes to work on ODG, throws up a runner, good! A sky hook by Russell Chiwa. It's a two-point game with five and a half to play. Really nice offensive move by the big man. Back out to Lanier, thought about the three, got away with the travel there, bull swipe at it. Sorrell Smith ripped it out of his hand. Sam Heinz goes to the ground and gets it off to Ryan Conwell. Bulls with the ball, down a point, four and a half to go. Ryan Conwell, left side pass to Sorrell Smith. Sorrell drives it in the paint, spin move, throws it up off the window and in! The pride of St. Pete has given the Bulls their first lead since the opening minute. And Sorrell Smith drove the lane fearlessly and rammed it in. Here's Zurich Phelps, drives it against Sorrell Smith, gets all the way to the basket, running layup is good. He went right at that Bulls defense. 3.30 to go, we're tied, 58 all. Tyler gets it to Sam Hines. They want to get it to Chiwa, cross court to Conwell, sets his feet, launches a three, makes another three. Ryan Conwell, his second of the game. This guy's shooting 60% from three-point range over the last four games. And Ryan Conwell, who hit the big three-pointer late at UCF, does it again tonight. SMU comes back. SMU's pulse was going very slow, but now they've regained the lead, 63-62. Conwell handling the ball on offense. Sam Hines with a screen. Tyler Harris launches the three right side. Got another one! It was a screen by Sam Hines. Gave Tyler Harris just enough of a window. And Tyler Harris buried it. And that ties the record. 88th in the season. A record that stood for 30 years. Oh, the fun was just beginning. He would not hit another three, but he was trying to do so and got fouled. Oh, yeah, free throws would be kind of a big deal at the end of this game. Makes and misses both. Here's how it went down with Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston on the call from Saturday night. There's Conwell out on the logo. He's got Phelps on him. Tyler Harris catches, fires a three on the move. He got fouled. Tyler Harris will get three free throws, and Jalen Smith hit him again chasing. Because he catches and shoots it so fast, Smith can't close on him. I'm telling you, Jalen Smith wants to go home, get in bed, and pull the sheets over his head. This is a nightmare for him chasing. Tyler Harris all over the court. A nightmare. Fly with the first one, got it. 68-67. Second free throw around the rim and off. 30.3 left, Tyler readies for his third and final free throw. Got it. 69-67, 22.7 off, So yep. the Bulls will have a chance. Oh, that's not even oh. close. That was an awful attempt. Looked like us playing. Second free throw also misses. Sam Hines gets a rebound. They had a hold of his jersey as well. Sorrell, who hit two big free throws in Orlando, misses the first. You need one here to make it a three-point cushion. Missed them both. Rebound, ODG. Here comes SMU down two. Phelps crosses midcourt. Two can tie it, three can win it. Cross court tipped by Sorrell Smith into the hands of SMU. Baseline move by Natal. Contact, layup, miss. And it's controlled by Tyler Harris with four seconds to go. Big fist pump by Brian Gregory as Tyler Harris gets knocked down. So Harris will go to the free throw line. He's 9 of 12 tonight. The Bulls are 15 of 24. He'll get two free throws to ice the game. First free throw, good. This one to set an all-time record for USF, most points and a half by a single player. And another 30-point game for Tyler Harris if he makes it. Which would be his third this season. 
No bulls at the free throw lane. Tyler Harris stands by himself. 70 to 67. Let's it fly. There it is. The Bulls have a four-point cushion with 3.6 seconds left. Williamson gets it in to Natal. He's going to shoot the three. That's barely drawing iron. It's over. USF wins it 71 to 67. Oh, my, my, like a magician. The Bulls pull this one out of a hat. And they get a much-needed win. It was like a magician. It was like one of those escape artists in a, in a vat of water. Hey, Tyler Harris is wearing green and gold. So there's always a way with him. Ain't that the truth? What does Brian Gregory think about Tyler Harris's performance? We'll get there, but his overall recap of the win, Jim and Joey postgame, gives credit to a guy that only had three points and wouldn't jump out of the box score, Sam Hines. Our guys get all the credit, dug down deep in the second half, defended and rebounded the way we were capable of, shared the ball much better on the offensive end. And then, you know, tonight's a night where we're honoring one of the best guards, best players that ever played here and had an unbelievable career in Chucky, who's been instrumental over the last couple of years. Every year has come down and talked to our guys and just delivers an unbelievable message. He saw a pretty good guard in the same Bulls uniform tonight as well. I think Tyler was telling him that he never scored 27 and a half. <laughs> That's going to be the, the storyline, but when you look at it, I'm just going to, Sam Hines won us the game. Flat out won us the game. Just flat out won us the game with his hustle plays, effort plays. And again, the growth, he had two really good looks. We're running an action to get him, two good looks. He didn't drop his head because he missed them. He just kept digging down and did an unbelievable, unbelievable job. So proud of the way we played in the second half. We went with the guys that were giving us great energy and playing hard and competing. And we are able to pull it out because of that. We've seen Tyler Harris do a lot of amazing things uh, this season. But tonight, there's a lot to talk about. 30 points, 27 and, and one half. That ties the record. He ties the record for the single season three-pointers. He played all 40 minutes of the game. You know, where do you start with this guy? I mean, he, and he also, he had a run of 14 straight points for your team when, when you needed that. Well, I'll start with he better make those other two free throws he missed. <laughs> yeah, it could have been more. Could have been more. Yeah, but, but obviously... Um, Put in a couple new actions to get him off the ball, um, and and he did an unbelievable job of that. And then, it, again, it, it, it's got to be all five guys. You're able to move Ryan and Selton to the top, and you're able to cut Chap or, or Keyshawn off on the opposite side, and the bigs got to set really good screens. And they did that to a T, and he needs a sliver of, of daylight. And, again, you know, you wish you had him four more years <laughs> yeah but he was he was he was really really good tonight and obviously really really good in the second half I think we need to talk to him because as I said off air I think he thought the game started at eight <laughs> for those who didn't know the game started at seven. Oh, speaking of seven instead of eight in my opinion that's definitely where you want the Bulls in the conference standings and they are eight with these two in a row looking for three in a row against last place Tulsa on Wednesday Tulsa got destroyed by UCF over the weekend. Knights are in seventh, a game up on the Bulls. So if you're like me, of the mindset that, yeah, you don't want to have to play Houston until you have to, which would mean in the finals, you want to be on the other side of the bracket from the Cougars for the conference tournament, meaning you got to get into that seventh spot. Well, Bulls are going to have to make up a game on UCF, meaning either go 2-0, and Knights lose one, or hope that the Knights lose twice and you just win one. Of course, it looks good for the Bulls against Tulsa. UCF is at Temple. We'll get more into that later this week, obviously. And then 
after Wednesday, we will definitely know the full women's bracket because, well, that's the end of the regular season, Wednesday night. But even though we don't know who the first Bulls opponent is going to be because there are four possible teams, including UCF, incidentally, who could land in the 8-9 range. But now we know who the possible semifinal opponent could be for the Bulls. We would have expected, especially after they beat the Bulls, Houston to be the number two and, at worst, number three seed. But because of what happened Sunday... The Houston Cougars are locked into the fourth spot. That's the only team that has beaten the Bulls in conference play. They still had a chance to catch Memphis until Memphis's Madison Griggs, her team down two after a timeout with nine-tenths of a second left at SMU on Sunday, did the catch-and-shoot dramatic three-pointer for an overtime victory. That puts Memphis in the top three. It'll be the Tigers and East Carolina, depending on Memphis's last result at Tulane, it'll be... Memphis the two, East Carolina the three, or vice versa. But Houston can only be the four. They are locked into that position. So a potential very dramatic semifinal. Of course, you don't assume the Bulls are going to win their first game. You don't assume Houston's going to beat the five seed. But that would be the matchup next Wednesday. We'll be in Fort Worth for any and all matchups with the women's and men's basketball teams in the conference tournament. Track and field took part in the conference meet this past weekend. And the men performed very, very well. Third place, that's the best finish for the Bulls in a decade. And again, the program record in the high jump, Romaine Beckford went 2.26, which is second in the country right now. David Ajama wins the triple jump, gave the Bulls 20 points combined in all of the three jump events. Another program record for Johan Jeremiah in the shot put competition, Shavoy Reed in the men's 200 meters, again, a school record. If you want all of the results, you can head to GoUSFBulls.com. They closed it out with a men's 4x400 school record, less than one second from the meet record, but they win it, and that extra victory at the very end put the Bulls just ahead of Wichita in fourth place in the conference. Cincinnati actually won the meet over Houston. On the women's side, yes, UCF was the winner, so they get the Warren I-4 points, and frankly, if it wasn't for cross-country and track and field, the Bulls would be leading that competition, but the Bulls still had some great performances, including in the 4x400, finishing in second place and setting the school mark there. All the details, again, on GoUSFBulls.com. We go right in to the outdoor schedule now. And as you know, we are definitely in the outdoor schedule when it comes to baseball and softball. Softball went 2-2 two and two over the weekend. We had the, on Friday's show, details of the loss to Clemson. And really, they were getting a good pitching performance by Gabby Norrie, but just could not score against Tennessee. And the Volunteers win it via run rule. Their outstanding home run hitter, Kiki Malloy, broke the 0-0 score in the fifth inning, and then they scored six in the sixth. By the way, then, the anticipated matchup between Clemson and Tennessee, two teams the Bulls got shut out against. Yeah, it was dueling shutouts as Tennessee scored in the bottom of the six to win that thriller 1-0. Then the Bulls had Michigan State. Now, this was the game, frankly, between the teams that were hoping to have the third-best record of the five teams, and there was no score in this game. Peyton Dixon was getting the job done in the circle and finally got a little bit of run support. And then a big-time moment to put it away. Here's how it sounded, some of my calls on Saturday afternoon. It's wide, getting a rare start, hitting the ball well. Could it get through? It does, through the gap. Eigenman gets a good turn. Right fielder makes a play. This is going to be a play of the plate. Here comes the throw. It's a good one, and safe. Ryan Eigenman scores on the triple. 
by Natalie Zweig, and the Bulls break through for their first run this weekend. So Bryant will indeed hit here, and she has been a pretty productive hitter for the Bulls. 357, and has made good contact. You know, she came in with sort of the reputation of a slap hitter, but she has gotten the ball to the outfit a lot. And she does it again, and it should get down, and it will. That'll easily score Zweig. And Hallie Bryant slides in with the double. What a season she's having. And it's 2-0 Bulls. So the bases are loaded for former Michigan State Spartan Marissa Trivalpiece. You knew this moment was coming. Maybe a little extra satisfaction going up against her former team at that. Oh, yeah, that'll at least score a run. It's If it stays fair, more than that, a grand slam. How about that? Marissa Trivalpiece, I'd say, gets her former team pretty good right there. It's six to one. Blast her first in green and gold. And while that was the clear highlight, don't want to discount some of the great defense. Kathy Garcia, an amazing diving play. Antoinette Hill getting the out. Oh, what a play! An absolute sports center. Forget about it. Play by Garcia at short. That ball is about the fourth one today that was hit on a rope by the Spartans, and yet that was the best catch thus far. A freshman from Jefferson High School, Kathy Garcia, just made maybe the defensive play of the year. Not only going up, but stretching to her left on a ball that 100% should have been headed up the middle. And Michigan State running itself into double plays. And whereas earlier, this would be a bunt situation for Cates. Well, it is a bunt situation. And they'll try and put the Bulls to work, and they could get two out of it, throw over to third, and they get her! Wow, that was misguided. Garcia was covering the play. Zweig threw over to second, and just a misguided attempt to go from first to third by Wash, and it's the second double play of the day. Scott Hine could be two. Caught in right field. They're going to test the arm, and that is going to be a fail test right there. A fourth double play as that was an easy one for Sheehan in right field, and there are two away. And by the way, Peyton Dixon pitched into the six. It was 2-0. She gave up a leadoff triple. She didn't get charged with that run, even though it scored. I'm not looking to get her in trouble, but still, she was great. And oh, by the way, in the nightcap, pitched the last three innings for a very hard-earned save after Illinois-Chicago, which was 0-12, led 3-0. The Bulls truly scrapped across four runs in the bottom of the fourth. Without that one big hit, you had a pair of four-pitch walks in a row, one with the bases loaded. You had infield to the pitcher, go-ahead hit. And then it got put away by Hallie Bryant's three-run inside the Parker in the bottom of the six. She's hitting 409 and should be considered for weekly honors. By the way, that was Dixon's first save, so a win and a save on a Saturday. Not bad, youngster. Five different opponents coming to town this weekend, by the way. In fact, if you wrap it around to next Tuesday, when they play a doubleheader against Penn, you're going to have six different opponents in five days of work. Kansas starts it off on Thursday. Well, baseball got off to a great start this weekend. Hunter Mink went six incredibly strong innings. Only gave up one run, struck out six. Ethan Brown and Riley Skeen finished it off against FAU, 5-1. to one. Two runs with some help, a drop in right field, namely, in the third inning. But Jackson Mayo dropped one over the wall for a two-run homer in the fourth. Daniel Cantu added an RBI, and the Bulls were off and running. Then the swing game, the close one. Well, they were both close over the weekend, but the one that the Bulls were down 4 to nothing and came back in twice. They were down 4 nothing. 
through three, scored four in the top of the fourth. Mayo and RBI and John Montez a tying double. But then after FAU got it right back, the Bulls down seven to four, scored two in the seventh. Jackson Mayo the tying hit, and Daniel Cantu homers in the eighth. But in the bottom of the 11th, the Owls, with the Bulls intentionally walking the bases loaded with two walks, still got a bunt down for the win. So that was really a tough one for USF. And unfortunately, the Bulls did not get a good start from Nolan Hootie. Gave up four runs in less than three innings of work. Still, this is a good FAU team. They're probably not going to lose many series this year. And they indeed won this series. Eight to six was the Sunday score. Bulls again down four nothing. This time took the lead with five runs in the fourth, but they only scored in one other inning. That was the ninth when they left the tying runs on second and third. Actually, Justin Jackson and Austin Newton kept the game within range with three scoreless innings to close it out. Jackson Mayo and Daniel Cantu, both with two-run homers, they both should be among the candidates for weekly honors, but unfortunately, the Bulls fall to three and five, and they get the Knowles next on Wednesday. That'll wrap up a busy Monday on Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.